Welcome to another episode of TechSess. I'm Mark Riddell from M3 Networks. We are a business-to-business IT and cybersecurity specialist. In today's episode, I'm going to be bringing you up to speed on the recent change to the Cyber Essentials requirements and answering any of the common questions that I think most people will have. Welcome to TechSess, the show that provides the information you need to know so that technology can help your business to be more successful. First of all, I just want to say that this episode is not going to be talking about Cyber Essentials and what that actually is. There is another episode for that and we will include that in the show notes. So if you're not up to speed on Cyber Essentials, you've never heard of it before and you want to get yourself up to speed on that, then check out the show notes for that link. This episode is purely going to focus on the changes to the Cyber Essentials standard. So let's just jump in and cover what's new in the Cyber Essential Standard. Well, first of all, they've added a home working requirement and information on how this is to be included in the scope of your certification. All cloud services are now in scope, added definitions and a shared responsibility table to assist with this. One thing that Cyber Essentials obviously didn't cover before was cloud and a lot of people that we worked with to achieve Cyber Essentials were quite surprised that their cloud environment was included. And you have to remember that Cyber Essentials was, you know, written back in 2014 and safe to say back then, the use of cloud services or businesses that are entirely cloud wasn't as common back then. So it's been updated to kind of bring this up to speed for the modern business. They have extended the multi-factor authentication requirement in relation to cloud services. They've also updated the password-based authentication requirement and added a new section of multi-factor authentication This requirement has also been moved to the user access control. Thin clients are now in scope and added to the device's definition. Added a new device unlocking requirement to the secure configuration control. They've added a new statement clarifying the inclusion of end user devices in the scope of certification. The further information on unsupported applications has been added to the security update management control removed specific email, web and application servers from control definitions and replaced with just servers. They've updated the bring your own device, BYOD or bring your own disaster, as I often call it, section. They've updated the wireless devices section, added a new service definition, added a new subset definition and information on its impact to the scope. And they've added a new licensed and supported definition. So we'll maybe spend some time diving into some of these points and what they mean and how they might affect you, whether you've either got cyber essentials, where you're thinking about it, or whether this is entirely new and you would like to take steps to securing your business against common cyber threats. So as always with all episodes of TechSess, the idea is to make the information in each episode accessible and easy to understand and educational for non-technical business owners and key decision makers within businesses that deal with the IT. So I don't think we'll be able to cover all of the changes in Cyber Essentials. What I think we should do is focus on a couple of the key changes that are going to have the biggest impact to your Cyber Essentials standard. And that is the new approach to home working and the inclusion of cloud services. So if we focus on those two just now, I think that'll be enough to cover in this particular episode. Of course, If there's anything that is not covered and people have any questions about, then you can feel free to reach out to me directly and I can address those questions directly with you. Happy to do that. So what I'm going to read to you is 
what it actually says in the requirements for IT infrastructure document from the National Cyber Security Centre. This is freely available to get on their website. Again, we'll include a link to this document on the show notes. So if you want to take a look at this yourself, you can feel free to do that. Looking at the new changes to homework and then the default approach is that all corporate or BYOD, that's bring your own device, homework and devices used for applicant business purposes within the home location are in scope for Cyber Essentials. And this next part is actually probably the most significant change here. And that is that internet service provider, ISP, that's so like the router that you got from BT or Virgin or whoever you use at home for your internet are now out of scope, which means that the Cyber Essentials firewall controls need to be applied on the user device. So like a software-based firewall. So if you've got a Windows machine, it will have the Windows firewall built in and that is perfectly sufficient and that's all the requirement is now for Cyber Essentials. Prior to this change, the requirements basically said that any router or any device that was being used to control the flow of data was in scope, which meant that not only were the firewall controls technically had to be applied to home users' routers, it also meant that the changing of the default password on a router had to apply to home users as well. So you can imagine the nightmare that that caused, right? So it wasn't a great area in terms of what the documentation said, but I always felt like it was a bit of a great area just in general because most passwords on routers at home are unique, randomly generated. You know this yourself. If you look at the back of your BT router, it's going to have a random admin password. I'm not talking about the Wi-Fi password. I'm talking about the administrator password. It's usually a unique randomly generated password and my opinion was always that if we have to force home workers to change that password chances are they're going to change it to something that they probably already use somewhere else probably not as secure as the current password is from the isp and they're probably going to forget it in the future if it is a unique password and then when you do need to actually log back into the router for some purpose later on probably going to forget it and that's going to cause a massive problem if you can't log into the admin interface of your router not that it's something that the typical home user does very often so that is a big change and it's great that that has actually you know taken those devices out of scope because it solves that kind of problem to say well do we need to do that or don't we need to do that yeah fantastic change i'm all for that one now if a router has been supplied by the organization so for example if you're working for someone and if you're employer gave you the router then that router is in scope or if you're listening to this and you are an employer and you give routers you know to your home workers not that i think that's a very common practice then those routers will have to be in scope if they're provided by the company if the home worker is using a corporate vpn to access data connecting to your network then their internet boundary is on the company firewall or virtual cloud firewall so that kind of covers homeworking. Wireless devices, I'm just going to cover here briefly. Wireless devices, which includes any wireless access points, are in scope if they can communicate with other devices via the internet. Now, this was a bit of a change from before as well, because previously it was really only routers, you know, that controlled the flow of traffic. Wireless access points didn't have to be included. But now, if they can communicate with other devices via the internet, then they have to be included in scope. They are not in scope if it is not possible for an attacker to attack directly from the internet because Cyber Essentials is not concerned 
with attacks that can only be launched from within the signal range of the wireless device. So if someone has to drive to your house and sit outside or sit outside your office in the car park to be able to attack the device, that's not covered within Cyber Essentials. It's only if someone can directly attack the device from the internet. So if it's got a web login interface, for example, and that can be accessed externally, then that device would have to be included in scope. It's also not in scope if the wireless device is part of the router within your home location. So most people just refer to their router as the router, but in reality, it's a number of devices combined into one thing. We just call it a router because it's much easier, but it is a wireless access point as well. It's a router, it's a modem, it's a switch, it's various things all within one box, a firewall as well. So yeah, it's not in scope if your wireless is coming from your router. Now, the next significant change is on the addition of cloud and now all cloud services are now included in the Cyber Essentials standard. So I'll cover what the national cybersecurity's requirements say and along the way I'll kind of give my comments and take on this. What they say is if the applicant's data, so the organisation, so your business, if your data or services are hosted on cloud services, then these must be in scope. In cloud services, the applicant is always responsible for ensuring all the controls are implemented, but some of the controls can be implemented by the cloud service provider. Who implements which control depends on the type of cloud service, and we consider three different types of cloud service here. So basically what they're saying is that you are always responsible. However, you may not be the person that actually implements the controls. So it might be whoever you're hosting. So if you've got a line of business application, and maybe the software vendor has to make sure that they implement two-factor authentication, for example, for logins or whatever other requirements there are. But you are ultimately always responsible for ensuring that all the controls are implemented. So the three different types of cloud service here, and again, you may have heard of these, you may have not, but I'll read what the National Cyber Security Centre described these as. So we have three things. We have infrastructure as a service, IaaS which is where the cloud provider delivers virtual servers and network equipment that are configured and managed by the applicant, so by you, much like physical equipment would be. Examples of this would be companies like Rackspace, Google Compute Engine, or the Amazon EC2. So that's your actual IT infrastructure being hosted in the cloud. Then we have Platform as a Service, PAAS, PaaS, where the cloud provider delivers and manages the underlying infrastructure and the applicant provides and manages the applications. So examples of this would be Azure Web Apps, Amazon Web Services. And then the third one is Software as a Service, which is SaaS, which is probably what most of us are more familiar with, which is where the cloud provider delivers applications to the applicant and the applicant configures the services. So the applicant must still take the time to ensure the service is configured securely. So examples of SaaS, stuff you use every day, things like Microsoft 365, Dropbox, Gmail, these are all SaaS applications. So these are now all included within scope, which they weren't before. So who implements the controls will vary on the design of the cloud service used. And there is a table included in this update information here, which obviously I can't show you on the podcast. But again, there'll be a link to this document if you want to take a look at that. I'll run through an example with you. So for example... The requirement for firewalls for any of these cloud services, if it's an infrastructure as a service environment, both the applicant and the cloud provider are implementing the controls. For platform as a service, the cloud provider and sometimes the applicant 
and for software as a service, it would be the cloud provider only. Now, this table covers five areas of Cyber Essentials, firewalls, secure configuration, user access control, malware protection, and security update management. And it covers each of those and for each of the different cloud environments of infrastructure, platform, or software as a service, identifies who would typically be expected to implement each control. So it kind of gives you some guidance there on that, which is useful. Where the cloud provider implements a control, the applicant, that's you, must satisfy themselves that this has been done by the cloud provider committing to implementation within contractual clauses or documents referenced by contract, such as security statements or privacy statements. Cloud providers will often explain how they implement security in documents published in their trust centers, which will include reference to a shared responsibility model. So what does that all mean, right? Quite often when it comes to certain things, cloud providers will have an area on their website or their service portal that will detail how they implement certain security controls. So for example, if you're storing data in there, they'll have policies and things on like GDPR or how things are covered by their ISO 27001, you know, certification for information security management. And I expect now with these changes to Cyber Essentials, you're going to find cloud providers detailing how they are implementing the controls required upon their platform to maintain compliance with Cyber Essentials. But as we come back to what we just said a few minutes ago, this is ultimately your responsibility to ensure that your cloud service providers have actually implemented the controls needed. Not all of it is within your control. You can implement some of it in some cases, but for a lot of services, you will not have the ability to actually do this yourself. So you are going to rely and trust that your cloud provider has this covered, but it's your responsibility to check and verify that that is the case. So just be aware of that. So for any other externally managed services, so where you're using a service such as remote administration, it may not be possible for the applicant to meet all the requirements directly. The applicant may choose whether or not to include these services within the boundary of scope according to feasibility. If included, then the applicant must be able to attest that the requirements that are outside of the applicant's control are being adequately met by the service provider. Existing evidence may be considered, such as that provided through PCI certification of a cloud service, ISO 27001 certification that cover an appropriate scope. So basically anything else is not one of the three services we talked about. You can choose to exclude those things in certain situations. When it comes to things like this, I would always say speak to whoever does your cyber essentials. So if there's any M3 customers listen to this and we do cyber essentials for you, then of course talk to us. Anyone else out there, if you're IT provider or you're using another third party to get you through cyber essentials, then you probably want to be having a chat with them to see how things are going to affect you, especially if you have a renewal looming. Of course, Cyber Essentials is valid for 12 months. So if you've got a renewal coming up in the next, you know, two or three months, you need to start looking at this now because a lot of these changes are going to mean that there's work to do in order to get through your next certification. Now, I'm going to take a guess and say that I've probably thrown enough information at you for one episode, but there was just a few kind of FAQ type questions that I wanted to cover that the National Cybersecurity Centre have already addressed on their website. And so let's just run through a few of these just now. When did the changes come into effect? So the new version of Cyber Essentials Technical Requirements is released on the 24th of January 2022. Any assessments that begin on or after this date will be certified to the new standard. 
what happens if you had already started a certification process before the 24th of January? Any assessments before that date will be certified to the current standards and you will have six months from the 24th of January to complete. So don't worry if you've already got an assessment underway, you're not going to have to suddenly meet all the new standards if that's already in place. So can I choose which question set requirements to be set against? No. Basically, if it's on or after the 24th of January, it's the new requirements. If you had assessment started before 24th of January, like we just said, it's the current set or the old set of requirements. Will cyber insurance still be included in the cost of certification for small organisations? Yes, insurance will still be offered to small organisations. This was something that we always told people about and it was something people could opt out of. And I believe the cover is still the same. So essentially by getting Cyber Essentials, you could get a £25,000 cover for cyber insurance. I believe it was underwritten by AXA Insurance. And there were some requirements on that, but essentially most businesses qualified for it. So that's still included. So that is all I have for you today. I hope that wasn't too intense. You know, we've covered the majority of the major changes to Cyber Essentials. Again, if you've got any specific questions, feel free to reach out to me. We'll include my contact details in the show notes. I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. And if you want to learn even more, make sure that you keep yourself up to date about the technology that you need to have in place to ensure your business is set up for success. Please check out TechSess on the favourite place to listen to podcasts. Of course, we're on all of the favourites, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Have a great day in business, and I wish you all the very best of Texas. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk. I'm Mark Rodell from M3 Networks. We're a business-to-business IT and cybersuit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark Riddell. For sake. <laughs>